Welcome to Nkanizatu, the pod that tells indigenous stories every day. The platform that tells you what's good and what's odd for young people and elderly alike in the areas of art, history and culture preservation. And now your host, Rina Kasongo. Positive traits in him. 
So I can't take I can't take you know, the glory of that one because my husband is, is an amazing man. Yeah. Talking of children, um, what was little Yasmin like <laughs> when she was growing up? Little Yasmin before the age of about thirty, very quiet, very reserved, very in her own head. Uh, yeah, very soft, sensitive person. I don't think I still am. Um, after the age of 13, I found my voice. Uh, I had opinions that I wanted to share. I was curious about the world. So I questioned a lot of things around me. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's what it was. But the little girl was very quiet. Yeah, very afraid of life. Oh, okay. Now she's not. Yeah, no, well, no, no. When you get to this point, you're kind of like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm okay. I'm okay. The fear, the fear is there, but it's not major. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. And then, how did the passion for storytelling start as you were growing up? I at what point did you say, okay, this is when this passion grows? I'll say this: I did not start out with an interest in, in storytelling or producing. Uh, for many years, I worked corporate. Uh, I have a degree in marketing management. So I did the corporate jobs for a long time. And then um, I was in between jobs and my now husband, who ran a media production house, was like, look, I need somebody with your organizational skills, um, you know, your push, your drive, how orderly I am and all of that to come on board with us because we have a project. And that was my first time stepping into film and understanding cameras what goes on on a set and that piqued my interest it was, it was an amazing experience what was supposed to be a short gig of three weeks um, has turned out yeah it's almost 12 years oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know how long that has been yeah, it's not maybe it's actually just over 12 years mm -hmm. let's talk about can you see us um, everyone has I mean for, the, for someone that's not aware can you see us in Zambia's very first Netflix movie? And uh, Yasmin was the producer of that. First of all, how did it get you picking up the role of producer? And then also, how did this story come to life as we saw it in briefing? I know it's a very long story yeah. tale, but just briefly. I would say, okay, so the story came to me um, through Mr. Lawrence Johnson, the executive producer. He wrote the story. And he had been trying to reach out to my husband for the longest time to get him to, to work together. And my husband is a director and he directed the whole series. So um, I think he found he wasn't getting through to my husband. My husband is really busy. So if he's not flying up and down or working on sets, you know, it becomes a bit difficult. So Mr. Johnson reached out to me and said, look, I've got this project and this, this story and I got him to meet with my husband. And I got to read the script and I loved it. This is unique. Nothing like this has ever been told. The the story of albinism, the struggles of people living with albinism, um, from an African perspective, a Zambian story. Um, and, and I fell in love with the story immediately. And I said to my husband, this is gonna be our first feature film. And I know he had other plans and you know, and I was like, no, this is gonna be the first feature film. This is this is a beautiful story. So yeah, that's how it came to me. In terms of putting it together, it was I mean, I've been in production for quite a while. It's, it's pretty much the same thing, you know? Assembling a team, figuring out what shots you want to get, 
figuring out what locations you want to work with, how you want to bring the story to life, and sitting with a director and writer and bringing this story into fruition. Um, yeah, it took time, but it was worth it. Were you also part of the scripting, like developing the scripts? No, Mr. Lawrence Thompson did that, and then of course we had um, extra writers to come and assist and tweak here and there, but he wrote the story. Okay, because there, there are a few um, other languages used, so now I wanted to find out for you how many languages you speak. I speak English. My Nyanja, I speak, but you guys will laugh if I speak Nyanja. It's not the best, but yeah. And Bemba? No. Oh, it not is. even a bit. I can kind of understand it, but I can't speak it. Okay. I'm going to Bemba. I like Bemba a lot. Oh, I'm really? at, so okay. I thought we'd have that conversation. <laughs> That's all right. Oh, I don't speak it, but I can understand when people are speaking, like, oh, okay, I get the gist of the story. Okay. Yes. And then a lot of people have been asking this question. Um, how do you get to have the movie on Netflix? You how push. was that for you? Like, how do you push? You know, trying to push. How how so, how, how how is the process? Really? We've gotten so many questions around this. So basically, um, I know there's this whole concept of okay, so you guys got your movie on Netflix. How do we do it? It's literally knocking on doors and and literally sending emails out and asking questions and saying, look, I want to get my movie on Netflix. How do we do this? How do we do this? Sometimes you get ignored. Sometimes you won't get feedback. And there were phases like that for us. I think it was almost it was more than six months, maybe almost a year before we got proper feedback. Um, but yeah, not giving up. Keep sending those emails. Keep looking around for context and saying, this is my direction. And just having that tenacity, which a lot of people have said to me, but that's not what we're looking for. And I say, that's exactly what it is. It's it's not giving up. Yeah. Um, can you see us as a story? How long did it take for you guys to work on that project? It was three weeks of pre-production prep, um, thirty-eight days of filming, um, more than a year of post-production. Yeah, post production. About a year, maybe a little bit more. For someone that is not in the film, what exactly is post production? Yeah, right. So your pre production is your planning. I'll go through all three. Um, your pre production is your planning stage, is putting everything together, assembling your team, figuring out your equipment, um, basically creating a workforce, right? And getting all your resources together. Production, of course, is your filming phase. It's managing day by day, shot by shot. Post-production is your editing, it's your color grading, it's your, you know, your voiceovers if you need to, it's sound, it's music. You'll notice with Can You See Us, all the music in that story was created for that story. None of it is adapted from somewhere else. So it's very Zambian, very authentic. So yeah, that also took time. Okay, um, you being a female, that took up leadership for this project. Because um, there are not a lot of, uh, in my opinion, there, there aren't a lot of female filmmakers that are taking up leadership in terms of director and producer. Mm -hmm. What was the experience like? And okay, not just for Can You See Us, but generally, how has it been for you having to take up major roles? It's not easy. There are very few female producers around Africa. So that already is a challenge. I think even in the world, there aren't that many, but there are some. But around Africa, it's not 
it's not very common. Maybe in South Africa more. Um, it really takes you having to put in the extra, the extra effort. Um, it's by extra effort. What do you mean exactly? I would say basically you would have to be a strong-willed woman. You would have to be a very organized person. Maybe even more organized than the average guy that would produce. Um, you've got to be able to handle teams. Um, people management. People management is key. So being female, being in an industry that's male-dominated is not easy, but it's so doable. I'm here. If I'm here, you're here. Yes. Then, then you know, it can be done. Um, but it does take a very strong will. A very, very strong will. And I will say this. People have this misconception about producing. That you have a liked person. They aim to be producers who are like, oh, everybody likes me. And so it doesn't work that way. No. And have you ever faced any form of stigma or anything by you being female and the producer? Me being female, definitely. They are undertones from time to time. Um, I'm grateful that I have teams that that I put together that support me have been amazing. And I have a husband who's a director and very strong in terms of supporting my dream. Um, but yes, from time to time, there are undertones. Um, I remember once, I won't mention names, but I remember once uh, sitting at the table and a gentleman asked me, I have never done, I've never produced series. And before I could answer, he answered the question on my behalf. And it's like, and I was like, oh, well, I'm sure you can't handle that type of pressure. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, I think I've addressed it for me. Because at the end of the day, you, you, can, you have to pick and choose your battle. You're female, yes. And, and, you know, embrace your femininity. You know, be soft, be beautiful. And that's what we are. But with that comes being able to be, being more organized. And we are more organized as females. Um, we also have a lot more foresight and we should use the positive traits of being female to help us enhance our work. Um, when you sent me your, your profile and you saw your photo, I was thinking, ah, sure, they sort a good actress, you know? Have you ever done acting? I'm actually terrible on camera. Okay. Terrible. Yeah, maybe the camera loves you, like the visuals and whatnot, <laughs> but being in character maybe would be an issue. Um, I'm not comfortable. This is the weirdest thing. I'm actually not comfortable with project camera. For the longest right? time, I avoided it. And people say, oh, could we? And I'm like, no, no, no. I guess with Can We See Us, people want to know more about, about the story. But generally, in, being in front of camera for me is not my thing. I love to okay, be behind camera. Consider that. <laughs> like, I really think you, you would do well in acting as well. Really? Yeah. I'm, I think maybe a few people have told you that or you have heard about it. No. I love being behind camera. I'm the one shouting in the background a lot. <laughs> okay yeah all right that, that's fair enough mm -hmm. um getting back to can you see us uh I, I saw this post today where it was on the recommendations of the emotional movies you want to watch yeah i'm like oh it's so nice you know you do your just having zambian content on netflix platform is really huge but then for you how does that make you feel when you get to see such in the beginning, when it first got on Netflix, you know, first you get the news. Okay, so they, Netflix is interested in the movie and this and that. And you're having these conversations. For me, it was kind of like, is this really happening? Is this really what it, it's, it's happening, you know? And then um, when I could see Can You See Us on the screen, on the Netflix screen, I was like, wow, this is big. This is big. 
and you know it's humbling it's a very humbling experience um it's also a very proud moment you know we've come a long way in with the film industry in zambia so to see something like this happen and to be a part of it it's it's beautiful it's beautiful it i think can you see us will be probably it'll sit it will stick with me for a long time it will stick with me for a long time yeah. And what I like about the Can You See Us, because I think for me it's just beyond a film. It's like an advocacy to where we are wanting people to see uh, people with albinism yes. as the people that they are, yeah. you know? And that's something I love, where we're just making it known. These are people just like we are. It's, like, it's, it's really amazing. Like, it's a sense. It's great advocacy to them. And uh, like you're saying, it's going to be part of you for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and I think you are changing the perception of how I am. I am so grateful that that is happening. Um, there's a lot of people that we are literally not seeing. I like how Sydney said it. We can see you, yeah. And I'm very proud of that. That 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 is actually coming to light. We need to treat our brothers and sisters with love and kindness and acceptance. Um, but with that being said, I will say, African stories told by Africans are really, really rich. Nobody else can tell our stories the way we do, the way we feel Africa, the way we view Africa, the way we experience as Africans. And I think with storytelling and Can You See Us specifically, it's like, that's what it was. It was Africans telling an African story. If you were to do your own story, I don't know if you, you've already written down some of your stories, yeah. What are some stories that uh, producer Yasmin's giving us this? Um, I've actually I've been I've been you know trying to um, write myself for a while. It's been hard. So yeah, right. I'm stepping into it. Stepping into it. But the type of stories I have personally are very different from Can You See Us. I also don't want to be uh, kind of boxed and yeah. say, oh, this is what, what, what are, type of stories. What are the genres of those stories? The genre, it's very dark. It's very dark. <laughs> so people, like, I think the first time my husband read a piece of my work, he was like, this is dark. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, this is you. This is crazy. I never expected you to write something. But why dark? Why, why do you feel the need to write those kind of stories? Um, I, didn't, I didn't plan to. I think with writing with me, it's, it's never come across as, you know, I need to write this or I need to write that. It was something that intrigued me and the story started to flow and I, and I just wrote it that way, and I'm still writing. But yeah, it's it's more a happy, emotional. Okay, it will be seeing it anytime soon and straight in. Uh -huh. let, let me get you the writing part. Let me get you the writing part. There's still a bit to be done. Yeah. But one day, one day, one day, one day, one day. Um, I know you have to. Before I get to that, um, in your filmmaking process. What has been your major challenge in having to raise any information that can just maybe share an instance that was very challenging where like, you know what, I think I'm just going back to corporate and leaving these people with cameras. Yeah, there's been many. Wow. Um, and that happens often in the, the sleepless nights. Um, we are, oh, wow, our sets run really long hours, sometimes 14 hours a day on, on a set. You get tired of you get tired after a while. I mean, think about can you see us? It's 38 days straight of, of shooting. And yes, you have you have a break in between. But one day, we gave the team one day a week 
to rest. But technically with production office, production office were literally still working on their off days. I remember calling people and saying, yeah, I know you think you're off today, but we have this and this and this to do. So the exhaustion gets to you. Um, coming from a, a country where the film industry is still growing, I remember reaching a point a few years ago where I said to myself, I think we're not making money, we're not pushing as hard as we want to, we're not, we're not getting ourselves out there. And I was like, I'm ready to throw in the towel and just give up on this stuff. TV camera, doesn't make sense to me anymore. You know, I've got two kids, I've got big responsibilities. And I think God just spoke to my heart and said, follow your passion. He's carried me this far. Um, what you think you don't have, what you think you need. Um, he's held you up all this time. Why are you doing now? So I was like, well, that's actually true. As much as we, we, we get frustrated in the way, we get frustrated in the growth phase, it's important to go through those phases. It prepares you for what is to come. Um, you mentioned the long hours you know, working on film sets. How is that? What has been the impact in regards to keeping in mind and having to create that balance? I need to go and set that baby girl has to go to the hospital or I need to do school runs and things like that. Here's the thing I have. So a lot of people will be maybe shocked. I don't know. They'll have opinions. Um, when I'm on set, I really need the set. That's one rule I have. And that happens with my crew as well. They do not set. It's, it's, Put your commitment to where you need to be at that time. In terms of uh, managing and juggling, it's taken years. Um, there's times I've been worn out, I've been totally fatigued because you're trying to balance being a mom, or I've been pregnant on a set, I've been breastfeeding on a set. Um, I remember after my second daughter, I had a C section. I was on a set three weeks later, and my baby was being held in the car, and I would go on a set walk off, go and breastfeed, walk back onto sit, and we were still not eating on the page. So I'm not a hero. I wouldn't use that as like any woman should do that. Sometimes it's circumstance, it's it's an individual pool. The balancing is really tough. Being a wife, being a mom, being somebody's daughter, somebody's friend, it's very hard. It's hard to even have friendships because people are like you're never available, and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> I have kids, I have a home, I have a husband, I have my parents, I've got my best, you know, my, my siblings. By the time you're done on set, there's not much time. Yeah, but the beautiful thing is, you have very little time to get involved in negative stuff. You're too focused on what you need to do. I was just imagining my uh, mom came to breastfeed and he's all on set. That is really amazing. You should be proud of this. But if you, if you haven't reminded yourself that you need to be proud of yourself, you need to be proud of this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. I've worked in a few other countries other than Zambia. Mm -hmm. What is a work culture? How would you compare the work culture of Zambia and Australia as, as compared to other countries in media, opinion, things like that? I think in other African countries, filmmakers have a lot have bigger industries than what we have here. That's for starters. Um, secondly, not every terrain is as, I find it easier to shoot here at home than in some other countries. Some other countries are really, it's complex. It's crazy complex. Um, so of course, there's the comfort of being at home 
and I take that as an advantage. I'm at home. Like you know, it's gonna be easier for me to juggle it. Um, in terms of the storytellers and people are pushing more and more creative out there. But the beautiful thing that I've seen now is that people are encouraged. People have amazing stories from your writers to your directors in Zambia that are doing amazing stuff. We're, we're literally like in that blooming phase. So there's a lot to look forward to locally. But outside of Zambia, I mean, look, there's markets like Nigeria that are massive. It's hard for our industry, home industry here in Zambia to compete because that's a huge population that loves, um, you know, Nigerian movies. There's the South African industry, which is so developed as, as opposed to ours. They have structures in place. You don't necessarily even need to own equipment and stuff like that. You can go to hiring mounts. So it, it empowers the, the young filmmakers, you know, and, and those who are trying to get their story out there. Whereas in Zambia, we literally, it, it's, a, it's a push and it's a push. It's a constant push. Yes. Interesting. Um, we, we, unfortunately, have to end the conversation. But before we do, I have two gifts for you. Can I give you? <laughs> okay. One is um, a book by Mary Slavonega. Destiny. That's amazing. Yeah, Mary was one of Zambia's uh, first advocates back then. And, uh, she's a uh, former angels teacher. She's one of the authors at Social and Publishers, the, the, the institution that's powering this podcast. Destiny. Yeah, destiny. We've never had it. Yeah, and the other one is a Kanisatu branding. Thank you. 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 you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What you need, you already have inside you, and that's where to start. It's the passion, it's the push, it's the tenacity to never give up. So to my female homemakers out there, keep pushing. It's going to come. It's going to happen one day. And we haven't yet made it. We have a long way to go. But keep pushing. Thank you, Yasmin, for coming. I enjoyed the celebration. You guys are, you know, youthful and energetic, and I'm like, I wonder if I'll say stuff that makes sense. Oh, you want to buy a ton of You can buy anything. I'm not going to go adjust to teenagers. Oh, wow. This is what Nikashi Zatu aims to do. Uh, we bring some of your favorite storytellers. I hope Yasmin is also one of your favorite storytellers or about to be your favorite storyteller. And something I have picked from this episode is that a story is like a baby. You have to nurture it, you have to groom it, and more, you could also describe it like a plant. You have to water it, you have to dedicate your time, your resources, and all things. Yasmin has given a beautiful story of what her journey has been like and the sacrifices she has had to make. It is really beautiful. So, Kanizadu uh, is powered by Social Publishers, a publishing firm that's focused on uh, producing, promoting, 
and distributing indigenous values literature. But beyond just literature, this is what certain publishers aim to do. They want to share stories, and um, what better way than creating a platform where storytellers can come on board and inspire you with what they have achieved in regards to telling their stories. Until next time, be sure to subscribe. Um, have, a, uh, uh, have a wonderful afternoon, evening, night, or whatever time that you're going to be watching and listening to this podcast. Bye-bye. Super. I'm sure you edit it well so you can leave out unnecessary stuff. <laughs> it was unnecessary. <laughs>